So we have been uh, talking, of course, deepening our walk with the Lord, you, you know, during this time of praying for one another, reading the scriptures, engaging in, in, in deeds in, that really uh, demonstrate the reality of God and, and so on. Uh, and uh, I said last week that over these weeks, I, I thought what we would do is we would look at some different virtues, biblical virtues, uh, that concretize, that make our, our walk with the Lord concrete. Because oftentimes we say, yeah, my, ooh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about God now, you know? Or I feel good about my relationship with God. And it's like just this feeling, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that we have. But in the Bible, uh, as the song goes, it's more than a feeling. All right. Uh, in fact, it's way more than a feeling. In fact, it might not even be a feeling. Okay. So we kind of have it backwards a little bit, uh, you know, in the way that, that we understand it. So when we say that at the end of 50 days, you know, may there be some transformation, what it really means is may we act differently. <laughs> may we live differently. You, you know, may we experience uh, relationships differently, right? Not just I got through Jeremiah right? Those are all means to an end, right? Uh, it's like saying, you know, I've got to be to Cleveland uh, 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 t- tonight for a wedding tomorrow, and so I drove there, uh, and I was so happy that I made it to Cleveland that I just slept in for two days and didn't attend the wedding, right? We'd say, well, that was ridiculous, right? Driving there is the means to an end, right? Uh, for, for, you know, this, uh, this wedding. So in the same way, when we say, oh, I'm going to read a book, I'm going to read through the scriptures, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. The idea is that at the end, there's something blooming. There's, there is something happening, uh, in our lives. So we want to talk about some of these virtues. And remember that a virtue is not just a good thing that you do. It's not a rule. Uh, it is not even a command. A virtue is something that we, that's coming from the inside. You know, something that we are, right? That if you sliced us sideways, you'd see that virtue all the way through, if you know what I'm trying to say. Right? So, uh, so we looked last week at, uh, humility. We said that, uh, the, that being a virtuous person begins with humility because it means that, you know, it's based on my connection with God. When I realize that, you know, who God is, what He's done in my life, that is where humility and being humble really come from. Now, we might say that about all of the uh, attributes uh, or virtues, but uh, without humility, you cannot be any of the other. You cannot, you, you, you can't do or be any of the others. We said that a virtue, therefore, it's the opposite of arrogance, the opposite of pride, it's the opposite of me first, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and because it's, it's based on our connection to God. When we're connected to God, humility becomes just like wisdom and just like knowledge. It begins with the fear of the Lord with God in his rightful place, you know, in our lives. And we ended last week by, in a sense, saying that, you know, to be humble means making room at the table for other people, right? Taking the back seat, and uh, and then God brings us to the front, uh, you, you know? 
uh, and making room for others, caring for others. And of course, the key passage uh, uh, for humility uh, is in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Just cutting to the chase of it in the Brit Hadashah and the New Covenant Scriptures. Do nothing, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Uh, and uh, that's what humility means. But when we call it a virtue, a biblical virtue, or a messianic virtue, it means that it's because of our connection to God, not because uh, I just kind of like uh, you know, doing nice things, right? Uh, and it's because of our connection uh, to the Lord that we're empowered to be able to, to do that. So today we want to look at uh, another one that's, we might say, kind of close to uh, humility, that, that, it, that, stem, that comes out of humility, uh, and that is something that's called, uh, in Hebrew, rachamim, racham or rachamim, which means uh, mercy, mercy. Mercy is the primary meaning of this word. Now, in the Tanakh, in English translations, uh, sometimes it can be compassion, and sometimes it can be mercy. And uh, in many translations, it's almost it's you don't really read mercy too much. You read compassion, but that's but but that is what this is. Uh, it, we could say. Uh, that it is uh, acts of compassion. Compassion really is the feeling that acts that we do out of compassion would be mercy, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and we read about it in uh, a number of uh, places uh, in the scriptures. Uh, of course, the, um, you know, could say the, the, the mother of all passages, uh, would be in, uh, Exodus chapter 34. Uh, when, uh, you know, after the, uh, great debacle of the golden calf, uh, we're reading in, uh, you know, these chapters 32, 33, 34 of Exodus, really about the process of forgiveness, uh, of God forgiving the people and restoring them. That's what it's about, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, in chapter 33, uh, we read uh, this. In chapter 33, in verse uh, 18 and 19, it says, Moses says, I pray thee, show me your glory. This is right after God says, I'm going to restore you. And so Moses is saying, show me your glory. So I, you know... <laughs> So I have this thing down so that we know for sure, so to speak. Uh, and then he says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. Right? That word compassion is rachamim, is the means uh, 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 mercy. And also grace, chen, is the word for grace, which really is means favor, almost everywhere else in, in the Tanakh, favor. Uh, and we'll, we'll uh, talk about that. But then if you go down to verse, chapter 34 and verse 6, God's goodness is sort of like this, is the name of the constellation. And in the constellation, there are a variety of terms 
that have different nuances, but they're all really close and they kind of overlap and they're used as synonyms in different places uh, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible. And you can't always tell by the English translation, unfortunately. You can't always tell by the English translation. I will say this, that in, in, the, in almost every English translation, if you see in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew part of the Bible, right? Uh, the word mercy or compassion, it's the same word. Mercy or, mercy or compassion. Once in a while, pity. Once in a while, the word pity is even, even, even used. And, and some other stray words once in a while. But in uh, chapter 34 and verse 6, we read, uh, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins. Uh, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity on fathers, on the children, and grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Okay? Now, so you have this constellation of terms here. Uh, and the first one is, in, in the Bible I'm using, it says compassionate. And what's interesting is most translations, even if it uses mercy everywhere else, for some reason, uses the word compassionate uh, here. Okay, so it's the first one. That makes a difference. That means something. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's the first one. Now, when you look at these different words, when you look at these different words, I'll just tell you a little bit about the emphases of them. See, they all kind of mean goodness, God doing good things, kind, kindness, benevolent things. But they have nuances, right? So rachamim, uh, mercy, acts of compassion that rescue Acts of compassion that, that we could not do for ourselves. That's why sometimes it could be translated pity. God pities us, and so he helps us where we cannot help ourselves. You know that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? It's the opposite, just so you know, all right? It's, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the opposite, all right? Remember what, what Yeshua said? I didn't come to save those who are righteous. I came to save those who are lost. Uh, I, I came to save those who need saving, right? And so uh, it's God helps those who can't help themselves. That goes, that flies in the face of our uh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps mentality of uh, I'm responsible for myself and nobody else is. Uh, and, uh, and that, you know, that, that kind of, uh, uh, in, you know, individualism, God helps those who help themselves. That is not right. It's God helps those who can't help themselves. Okay. All right. Uh, and so that is the emphasis of mercy. That is the emphasis of rachamim. How does it differ from chesed, covenantal love? Sometimes they're used as, Synonyms uh, in, in the scriptures, absolute synonyms, right? Uh, and uh, chesed emphasizes steadfast, loyal love, right? St acts of chesed and acts of rachamim. You know, you could probably, if you tried really hard, try to figure out uh, a nuance of difference, but 
but uh, you, you know they have different, uh, just different emphases. So Chesed emphasizes loyal, steadfast, covenantal love. Rachamim emphasizes helping when people can't help themselves. Okay. Then there's uh, you know there's uh, tzedakah, tzedakah, right? Which means doing the right thing. That's what that means. It comes from the word tzedek, righteous. Do the right thing. So you have do the right thing, uh, loyal, uh, steadfast love, uh, uh, and uh, acts of compassion uh, uh, for those who really need it. Okay? All right. Now, in the New Covenant, uh, this uh, emphasis is uh, you have, uh, it, very interestingly, in Greek, it's very simple in a way, you have a word for compassion and you have a word for, for mercy. They're, they're two different words. Uh, and compassion, as we'll see, is an attitude or a feeling, and mercy is what you do. Uh, and so we want to take a look at this. And then, of course, there is the word um, chen, I forgot to say, chen in Hebrew, uh, you know, um, um, uh, which means uh, a favor, a favor. Sometimes you see that word favor. That means that is the same as charis or grace, right? Uh, unmerited favor, undeserved favor. So the difference between grace and mercy, if you ever really wanted to know, is mercy is acting on behalf of those who are like sinking into quicksand and they can't do anything about it. And so you reach down and you pull them out. Say, that's mercy. Okay? The person in the quicksand is a real lousy, stinking uh, this and that, and you pull them out. That's grace. All right? Uh, in other words, uh, mercy focuses on just the act. Uh, grace focuses on the nature of, the, of that act. Okay? So there, there, there you go. All right, very good. Uh, and, uh, and and so uh, when we talk about mercy, there's a couple of uh, key passages uh, in the uh, in in the Tanakh that uh, that deal with this issue of uh, of mercy. We'll, we'll just look at a couple of them uh, real uh, real quickly. Uh, in, in a very interesting place in Deuteronomy chapter 13. You read about it. And this is in the context of, you know, when you capture a city, uh, you only take with you what I allow you to take, and everything else goes under the ban, you know, and, and you can't have that. Uh, and so you read this in verses, the last two verses of Deuteronomy 13. It says, And nothing that from which is put under the ban shall cling to your hand, in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy on you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he swore to your fathers, if you will listen to the voice uh, of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments which I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. So it's interesting in verse 17 is that the word is repeated twice, right? Once is a verb and once is a noun, but that's another story for another day, all right? But it's um, uh, mercy and compassion, translated two different ways, but it's the same word. Isn't that interesting? So in Hebrew, what, what it's doing is it's like really making a point of it, right? 
I, I think it says something like uh, racham v'rachamim, you know, or the other way around. Can't remember. But, uh, but the point of it is, is that it's accentuating this, this mercy of God, uh, of God increasing them, of blessing them, right? Uh, of doing for them because they, they would not be able to do it themselves. If you yield to me, this is what I will do. Right? And it's not be, not helping you to do it. It's because you can't. I can redeem you. I can give you. I can bless you in ways that you cannot do yourself. And that's why that particular, uh, word, uh, is, uh, is, is used, is used here. I, uh, and, uh, another interesting place is in Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah 14, this has to do with God's uh, never giving up on Israel kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, and this is what he says. Okay? Uh, in verse uh, chapter 1, in verse, uh, uh, cha- verse 1 of chapter 14 of Isaiah, when the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and again choose Israel and settle them in their own land, then strangers will join them and attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And so he says, when I will have mercy on you, when I will bring you back to the land after, you know, this long period of captivity, and he's talking about all the way at the end. He's talking about the consummation. He's talking about when Israel returns from the four corners of the earth. It's, it's because God shows mercy. It's because uh, God uh, 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 pities his people, loves them, so, you know, there's chesed, there's uh, tzedakah, it's all involved, right? But the emphasis is on, you know, the sorry shape you're in, and I'm going to, and I'm going to take care of it, see? Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, really very interesting. You know, another thing interesting about this word, um, racham or rachamim in, in Hebrew, is that it shares the same root with another word. That helps us to understand it. And that is the word for womb. Womb, where babies are growing, right? That it shares the same root. And that really is very, very interesting, right? And so you can see the heart of God. Like I'm looking at you like I would look at my child who's in need, you know? Yes, they may be undeserving. Yes, it's loyal, steadfast love. But they're in need. And Rachamim emphasizes the need, meeting the need. See, uh, the action of of reaching down, uh, you know, and uh, and meeting the need. In uh, Psalm 103, this is rather interesting here. In verses 11, 12, and 13, and 14, 11 to 14, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his chesed toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now look what he says in verse 13. Just as a father has rachamim on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, and he is mindful that we are but dust. And so first, you see that in Psalm 103, chesed and rachamim are synonyms, 
right? They're used the same way in different verses. And that's called Hebrew parallelism in poetry, making the same point using different words, okay? So you, uh, you have that. So you see how, how close they are. But the emphasis in verse 13, the reason he uses rachamim here to emphasize it, you have the father and children, you know, a parent caring for a child. Uh, uh, and then, so it says, the Lord will have rachamim on those who fear him. In other words, those who recognize who he is. That, that, uh, God in his, you know, this, if, if we had a Yiddish speaking audience, in his kishkis, God feels for his people, right? And it hurts them when they're hurting, right? Right. Uh, and, and so we're gonna do whatever we gotta do to take care of them. The other words, of course, yes, it's steadfast love. Uh, yes, it's the right thing to do. But it's my child and they have a need and I'm going to meet the need. That is rachamim. Okay? And then notice what it says in verse 14. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. That's mercy. God knows what we're made of. He knows that, boy, do we ever need help. Are we high maintenance or what? Right? And, and so he reaches down, uh, and, and, you know, and, uh, and meets, uh, and meets uh, the, the need. Okay? All right. So now, <clears throat> there is, uh, there's another passage, just one more, one more place of the 500 passages that I've written down here, uh, that, uh, that we will look. And that is, and you may be guessing it. Right? Can you think of a passage that uses this word rachamim in a really profound way? Uh, in, uh, I'll call it, it's not in one of the prophets per se, but it's in a book that one of the prophets wrote, and it became a big time hymn. Right? Of course, it's in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, right? In the middle of all the tsuris, in the middle of all of the lamenting, and actually it is right in the middle uh, of, of all of it. This is what we read. In verse 19, beginning in verse 19 of Lamentations chapter 3, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood in bitterness, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I in the middle of all of this, I should be in, in uh, I, italics. <laughs> in the middle of all of this, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. There you have Chesed and Rachamim once again, right? His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. They're new every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. Every day of our lives, God reaches down. And if our eyes are open to him, and uh, we are well connected to the Lord, we will see and know that that God is 
meeting our needs. He shows us mercy every day. You know, the fact that we wake up every day. Uh, in fact, I, was, I, should have brought the, I should have brought it in with me. I was reading it this morning. Uh, you know, the beginning prayers, I'll just describe them. The beginning prayers in the Siddur, the first one is, Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to rise up in the morning alive. Okay? Thank you that I woke up. All right? That's number one. And then it's, uh, thank you, Lord, for my body right? Washing hands. And then thank you that all of my bodily functions work, right? Uh, and, you know, it's so practical in the Siddur that we are, we recognize that I could not live, that's the point, every day. I cannot live without God. I cannot be alive without, without God. You, you, you know, this is his mercy. We think that it's us. We think it's this. We think it's that. But his mercies never fail. This is a great passage to read every day if you wake up kind of depressed. If you wake up, uh, you know, wondering, where am I going? Where am I headed? What's happening? Or, you know, uh, every day you wake up and you realize that life is not, uh, it's, this is not a nightmare. It's actually real life whatever it is I'm experiencing. His mercies never fail. And then what does it say right after that? Great is your faithfulness, right? So you have these great words. You have the, the word loving kindness, and you have the word compassions or mercies, and you have the word faithfulness uh, in there. Yes, they're all part of that constellation of the goodness of God right? But this, his mercies never cease. God reaching down as a father to a child and saying, I know what you need, and I'm going to make sure you got that thing going, right? Now, of course, you know, as children who have needs, sometimes we don't recognize those needs, and we, what do we say to our parent? We say, leave me alone. Didn't we all do that, right? Right? Leave me alone. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. And isn't it the hardest thing for a parent to stand on the sidelines when you're trying to help and you watch your child go down some kind of, you know, spiral and you know what the answer is, but they won't listen or pay attention, right? Perhaps, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so that is what happens when we don't realize that God's mercies never fail or we ignore it, or we give up on it. But they are new every morning, every single day, right? Okay, well, you know, when you come to the Brit Hadashah, we read certainly uh, about the mercy of God, uh, you know, in a variety of, um, in a variety of places, right? Uh, we know that uh, it's demonstrated uh, in the life of Yeshua, right? Uh, in the, in the life of, uh, Messiah, right? Yeshua came uh, to show mercy. Uh, we read, uh, for example, in, um, uh, Matthew 15. I'll just turn to one of them. Okay. Matthew 15. And this has to do ju just with, uh, the well-being of the people that are with Yeshua, right? He said, and Yeshua called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the multitude because they have remained with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. 
and I do not wish to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And then we know that, uh, you know, a, a great miracle took place uh, of, uh, of, of food. But the point is, Yeshua felt compassion and acted in a miraculous way to feed the people, right? They were hungry. They were Messiah followers, literally following Messiah <laughs> around, right? And they didn't have anything to eat. Yeshua didn't say, you know, that's not important. What we got to do is pray that they get saved, okay? But forget about the food. Let somebody else take care of that. No. Isn't it amazing that Yeshua cared that they got food to eat? Very important. Other passages, we read Yeshua felt compassion and he healed somebody. Yeshua, we also read about, uh, you know, uh, feeling uh, he felt compassion by coming into the world and saving those who are lost, uh, uh, clearly, he demonstrates uh, d- demonstrates uh, 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 compassion uh, in in a great way, right? If you turn to um, Ephesians chapter two for just a quick second, in Ephesians chapter two, I uh, right in verse four, but God, being rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Messiah and raised us up with him and sealed us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, right? Being rich in mercy. Uh, He delivered us from darkness. We could not deliver ourselves from darkness. That's the point of using that word mercy there, that we could not do it ourselves. And so he's rich in mercy. He reached down, and what did he do? Of course, Yeshua came into the world, lived his life, suffered, died, you know, and then rose from the dead. That was a merciful act of God, filled with grace, as we read later on here. But we have all experienced this kind of mercy uh, from, uh, from God, right? So then we read... In another place, I'm not going in chronological order or anything, but in another place we read, and you know this, it's in Matthew chapter 5, right? The Beatitude, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, You know, all of those blessed passages, right? All of those blessed passages. Well, when you come to number, uh, verse 7, verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What these are, by the way, uh, these uh, statements, uh, you know, they are, um, uh, for example, when we talk about what is, when he says blessed, you probably have heard this before. Uh, The Greek word makarios means happy, right? But But it's, but that's reducing it way, 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 way down. Happiness is, uh, uh, you know, any human being could be happy if they decide to be, um, you know. Uh, it, it, but this has much more to do with the idea of satisfaction and fullness and joy uh, and that it comes from God. You're not working it up yourself. You're not talking yourself into it. It comes from God. It's equivalent to the Hebrew word ashray. Right? Ashray, uh, which has basically the, this, the same meaning. It comes 
from uh, God. Uh, now, what we have here, these, these statements, what Yeshua is describing is an, uh, the reality of the world to come being lived out by people here. And it's not a rule. It's not a law. It is the way of life of people who know the Lord and are living out the presence of the future now. Those are what the first parts of these sayings are. Merciful, gentle, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness, mourn. Now, when it says what they get, the, 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 the result, that is the tension between the present and the future. Okay, that is the tension between the presence of the future. We live this way. We are bringing heaven, so to speak, down to earth, living this way. The world can see, in a sense, what heaven looks like by the way we live. The, the, uh, the result of it, that we may experience to a certain degree today, but that will come in its fullness at the consummation, Right? But we are blessed, we are satisfied, uh, we are joyful when we live this way because of the work of God that we're doing and the promise uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the future. And so blessed are those who reach down and help people who are in need. That brings a sense of satisfaction, a sense of joy, a sense of purpose, a sense of uh, a sense of uh, meaning, a sense of uh, a sense of meaning. Okay. And so uh, what we're saying here is that mercy is compassion in action. When we're merciful, we're doing good for someone who cannot do it for themselves, right? Okay? So, you know, uh, in this world, of course, just like humility, mercy is like tolerated, but it's not always admired, you, you know? And what, what we, we admire is taking care of myself. I'm number one, doing the best for me. Hey, what can I, and if, and if there's a, a chance, maybe I'll do something for somebody else. You, you know, I, I, but mercy I, is a virtue that is a high calling, uh, you know, a, uh, a high calling. And of course, we know that the key, the key passage, right, that in Yeshua teaching about mercy and about showing it is in the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter. And that is, of course, the, good, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan, right? And there's, uh, we want to uh, really understand, you know, what's going, out, going on. So this person comes to Yeshua. This lawyer stood up, right, and put him to the test. You, you can tell right away he's not really teachable. He put him to the test. He's not really asking a question. He's trying to trick Yeshua. He's trying to get him to say something that's wrong. He's, you know, he's trying to, uh, he has uh, not so good uh, motives here. So he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Yeshua, who knows that this is a test, he doesn't just say, get out of here. You, you know, I got bigger fish to fry. Uh, you know, he says, um, what is written in the Torah? He asks him a question. Oh, so good right? He asks him a question. How does it read to you? 
And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. That's right. Love God, love people, do this, and you will live. Which, by the way, is a quote from our Torah portion that we'll talk about in the Torah study this afternoon. All right? But wishing to justify himself, he says to Yeshua, who is my neighbor? Thinking that he has found a loophole or thinking that he's, he's tricked Yeshua in a, in, a, in a certain way, you know? Uh, and so Yeshua tells the story. A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him dead. Okay, we're just going to take this little piece by piece, and then we'll, we'll have it done. All right? Uh, and so who is this person that's on the side of the road? This is a person that gets, that has been beat up by life. This is a person that has been dealt a hand that nobody would ever ask for. This is a person that's needy. This is, is a, a person that can't figure it out by themselves. Okay. And clearly they're on the side of the road, which means everybody can see. Oh, geez. You know, look at this guy. Okay. All right. Now, the next thing we read here is, um, and by chance, a certain priest was going down uh, on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by to the other side. And then, like a twin statement, and likewise a Levite also, when he came to the, to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. So it's kind of interesting. They represent something to, to Yeshua here, right? They represent the religious people. The religious people who make sure that every prayer gets said. They represent the people that make sure that they say the Shema every day, every morning, every night, or, or uh, I make sure that I read my Bible every day. I make sure that I say all the right things you, you know, and that, uh, uh, and, and I do pray, uh, every day. I read my Bible every day. I, I do all the right things. I attend. So I have not missed a service in five years. That's who these people are. Not only that, but I'm on a committee. I bring food. Okay. I do this. I do that. I love this place. And I love these people, and I do this, and, and I do that. But I see that needy person on the side of the road, and I keep going because I am indifferent to the needs of the people around me. That's who these people are. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. He felt compassion because compassion is an emotion, okay? He felt bad for the person. He felt, you know, a, a pity, pity on the person or he felt, uh, just, we'll just leave it at that. He felt bad for the person, right? And what's interesting is I, uh, to go to another passage for just a second and then come back to this. You know, Yeshua said something very interesting, which is a sort of a quote from the Tanakh. It's in Matthew chapter 9. 
and it's repeated in chapter 12. But anyway, he says this, uh, if, uh, beginning in verse uh, 10 of, uh, keep your finger there in Luke 10, and now in Matthew 9 in verse 10. And it happened that as he was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax gatherers and sinners came and were dining with Yeshua and his disciples. That's an odd thing, right? That's an odd thing, right? Tax gatherers and sinners? What are you doing with uh, those bums, right? Those good-for-nothings. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax gatherers and sinners? But Yeshua heard it, right? And when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God is more interested in our heartfelt uh, uh, empathy uh, and doing something about it than for bringing the right sacrifice. That's also, by the way, why he says in another place that we won't turn to in, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, before you come and you bring your sacrifice, make sure that your relationship is okay with people. Make sure that if somebody has something against you, you go to them, right? Uh, because don't get the idea that just because you bring that sacrifice, all is well. Because it's got to come from the right place and demonstrate it in the right way. So when you think about, I desire compassion or I desire mercy rather than sacrifice, now you go back to the uh, Samaritan. The Samaritan, the person who's outside, and the outsider is doing what Yeshua said. And so we read uh, here, he says he felt compassion, and then he does something. So you see, he does something. He felt compassion, and he does something. Feeling compassion and not doing anything is not good enough. Came to, he came to him. First, he came to him. Went out of his way. Stopped. He was going somewhere. He went out of his way and bandaged up his wounds. Now, that's really like getting involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, we would say he was not indifferent. He was involved. Pouring oil and wine on them. So, he, you know, that costs money. That's goods of his own, taking the time and actually really doing something here, bandaging up his wounds. But that's not it. It's like Dianu. It would have been enough. But he did much more. He put him on his own beast. That means he walked. He walked. He put this Jewish person on the beast. And he walked. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. That is getting involved. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Wow. Wow. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell on the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Yeshua said to him, go and do the same. 
This was an answering the question, who is my neighbor, which was an answering the question, how do I inherit eternal life, right? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, which is in this week's Torah portion, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself is this. And notice earlier it says he felt compassion and he did mercy. It's kind of really helpful. And, and putting our arms around, you know, uh, the, the whole thing. Because that is indeed what God desires. What did Yeshua say in Matthew uh, chapter 23? He said this. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, deal, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You know? Uh, and so it's, we need to do all those other things. We need to have our spiritual disciplines and, you know, and, and so on. But we must never neglect when we see a person in need, you know, and a person is truly in need and, and, you know, feeling compassion and showing mercy. Usually, at this point, the question is asked, but do I have to do that all the time? I mean, where do you draw the line, right? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. Sure, there's, sure you have to figure that out. But don't start with, what are the exceptions? Don't start with, when don't I have to do it? Have the attitude, I have to do it. And if there are times when it's not good for someone to, for me to just simply help, they need, they need to help themselves. They need to learn how to fish, you know, so to speak. Uh, you, you know, okay, I'll discern that. But have the attitude of I need to help. Not looking for the exceptions, but looking for the opportunities. The exceptions are indeed there, you know, but looking for the opportunities. Uh, now, sometimes an opportunity comes our way and we're not ready for it. You know, I had something that happened to me on Friday that I missed an opportunity I, I, because I, miss, I misunderstood this thing, and, but, I, but then I realized I missed an opportunity. What was happening? I was in a restaurant and I was meeting with someone and someone with a little baby came up and, and in very broken English uh, was asking for help, Right. And so my assumption was, is you're just, they're just looking for money. They're going like table to table looking for money, right? And I didn't have any cash on me, and I thought, oh, you know, this is not the right way to go about this. And, and I'm in the middle of this heavy-duty conversation. I just said, no, I don't know. No. And I saw the person going from table to table. But then I thought to myself, maybe what this person was doing was looking for a meal. And if I was thinking, okay, today... What kind of mercy can I show? I would have been like ready, ready for action. And then perhaps also ready to discern, is this a right opportunity or a wrong opportunity? You know, but if I'm ready, I wasn't ready. If I was ready, then I'm ready. You know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, and so that is an attitude that we need to have. Uh, rather than seeing being people as a, a, a pain or a squeaky wheel uh, or just uh, people I don't want to look at and I wish weren't there, as Messiah followers, if we're going to say, I'm going to be like Yeshua, 
We need to feel compassion and show and, and do mercy. It's not good enough to say I'm a religious person. It's not good enough to understand lots of really neat and cool things about the Word of God. It's not enough. If we're talking during these 50 days of you know, being on this journey and praying for one another and reading Scripture and doing you know, acts of goodness, we'll call them, that uh, this is where real profound change comes. So I would just encourage us all to practice. Like, look for opportunities. And you know what? Here's a real bulletin. If we end up helping somebody that probably wisely, uh, I, you know, I really didn't need to help that person. Or, you know what? You're never going, that's, you're never going to err on the side of mercy, grace, chesed. That's on them. That would be on them. Uh, uh, You know what I'm saying? But err on the right side. Yes, be wise. Yeshua was wise. Certainly, speak up, say no, have boundaries, all that, but be ready to show real mercy 24-7, all the time. That is where real transformation comes. Let's practice it. Let's be it. And let's be like that good Samaritan. Let's be like Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord, uh, God, um, people, we have been shown great mercy, Lord, by you. God, uh, when I think of my own life, of, of coming to know you, there's no way unless you did the work that I would be redeemed out of darkness. And that's true for any of us. Thank you that we have life. Thank you that, that uh, we have a roof over our head. Thank you, Lord, for, for the, uh, the mercies you have shown us. May we forever be thankful. And may we show mercy, compassion to uh, others. Uh, it is a, uh, a monumental thing to be a merciful person, Lord. And, uh, uh, and God, so may we indeed have our eyes open and see the opportunity. May we continue on our journey of counting the Omer, and uh, Lord, may we see transformation in the way that we live our lives. We pray in Messiah's name.